Hello and welcome to the Caring Support Podcast, your healthcare podcast that cares and the show where we dive deep into the world of healthcare and explore the incredible stories and experiences of the heroes who work tirelessly to keep us all healthy and to keep our family members safe. I am your host, Kaylee, and I couldn't be more excited to be with you today because we have the amazing assisted living facility owner and mentor, Carlene Cadet Francois, with us today. Welcome, Carlene. We are so excited that you were able to join us. Thank you for having me. So let's start off strong and maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I'm excited to be here with you, Callie, and your audience. My name is Carlene Cadet Francois and I leaped into assisted living from law enforcement and I have been in it for about two years and so far I'm loving every aspect of it and I've gained some experience from mistakes that I've made and I'm excited to share uh, some of things with you guys today. What led you to this line of work that you're in as an uh, assisted living facility owner? Yeah, so I was working in law enforcement for the Broward County Sheriff's Office, and I found even though I loved the field and I loved to serve, I didn't have enough time and the flexibility for my little ones at home. You know, I have three little ones, uh, two boys and a little baby girl, and uh, I worked a night shift, and so uh, I really did not have the time to be mom in chief in the house. And um, it took a few years, but I planned to retire early. And part of my strategy was opening an assisted living. Um, I'm also a real estate investor. And so I had a building that was you know, going about to be rented and I figured I'd convert it into an asset living. That's amazing. There's such a shortage of facilities like this. And I think it's it, it definitely is something that people should consider if they're financially available to be able to do that kind of um, investment into their community and time and all that kind of stuff. So that's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> In your opinion, what are some key advantages of assisted living facilities compared to other forms of senior care? And how do these advantages contribute to the overall well-being of the residents? I feel that uh, if it's one thing we all have in common, we all know an old person that used to be kind to us or that is currently still kind to us, or we all know of one that was grouchy, but we love them anyway. And the fact that we're all getting older at some point, I feel that assistive living is so important to have those conversations nice and early. And I feel getting in earlier as possible, whether you need a place for your mom or you don't need one for years to come, having these conversations and making sure that um, we keeping up with what's going on in the industry is an advantage to begin with. Because we get the front seat to say, okay, when I get old, this is what I want to see based on what I've seen in the industry already. And for my loved one going into the industry, this is what I would like to change. And as regulations and laws change, we get the front seat to what we want to see when we get to the point where we need it for ourselves. So I feel this is the biggest advantage to be educated. And, and if you're one that have the heart to want to serve in that way, perhaps you want to open one yourself and now you really have a place to go for when you're old. Yeah, it's it's really eye-opening um, when you become the family member of someone that is making that transition. So I have, my grandmother is 95 years old. 
and she lives in an assisted living facility in Saskatchewan. And uh, they, she loves it there. They have all these little programs for her. She gets to, you know, talk to other people every day. And she has, you know, her favorite workers and stuff that are there. But nothing is more eye-opening than when you're helping your family members make these transitions. And then you're going, oh my goodness, like, this is something that I have to think of for my future, for my parents' future. So it's, it's definitely, it's eye-opening. And I also know that some of these facilities struggle with finding qualified and compassionate staff. That can be a huge issue. And it's, that is actually pretty crucial for the success of the facility as well, right? If you just have a bunch of grumpy staff running around, um, it makes it really tough for people to want to be there. So how would you go about recruiting and selecting staff members to align with the facility values and people that are also committed to providing excellent care. So what I do is I, I tend to do things in a weird way, but often always it works out for me. Um, I network within my community. Like I start with the churches, you know, a lot of people that are applying in those websites like indeed.com, which is another platform you can use to find staff. They are the people in your church. And oftentimes they don't know what you do as a person. And so oftentimes they don't know that you own an assisted living. And if they knew that you already know them, they already have a connection with you. You've probably been going to the same setting for years. So you get to see the real side of them. And I find when you connect people from the church into the workplace, you get a uh, you get the kind of value that experience alone cannot get you because you know you're finding a good person that will uh, fit to the type of um, care that you want to provide, the type of policy and environment that you want to have at your facility. And also, they are your uh your way of funding other people to work for you because if you treat them right as a leader they will send you more people i've had people bringing me their sisters um if you treat them right if they feel welcome and they feel what you're doing is for a good cause um they will really help you uh, succeed in your residence, we'll say. Yeah, and I think it's uh, probably important to mention too, Caring Support is a platform that actually helps um, long-term care facilities and other healthcare organizations get matched up with these amazing amazing employees as well. So I know that, you know, we're here to, we're always here to help. We're always here. We want to make sure that we are that that backbone and in, in the help of of something that needs needs some love. And I think it's important that we all work together to create these facilities where our loved ones are um, loved, um, but where also employees love to work. I think that's also really important, especially coming out of COVID and everything and all of like, you know, the, the mess that kind of we heard about that in the media and everything. Um, how do you think that assisted living organizations can establish like a supportive work culture within their facility to encourage staff retention. It's it's such a huge issue. And, you know, there, there, sometimes it seems like there's this loss of the sense of community between employees. How would you go about ensuring that that's not the case? So what I like to do is I like to treat people as if I want to be treated. Um, say, for example, one big one I've had, um, you know, I have little kids. And so sometimes I need a day off to just, you know, or take them to the beach or uh, they may not be feeling well. Um, so for me, being that it's hard to find qualified, good people, when I find them, I cherish them. 
I would literally pick up a shift before I tell one of my staff, no, <laughs> you cannot have a day off. And I think them seeing that in me helped them to respect me more because they feel like I am treating them like I want to treat it. And I can say that all day long, but up until that time when the person feels that they are treated like I want to be treated, that's when it really makes a difference. And I think if we can all empathize with our staff, sometimes hear them out, um, because as a leader, we are quick to correct, right? But then um, once the correction is made, do we uh, give a compliment? Do we show our staff appreciation? Whether it's, you know, picking up their favorite food once in a while and passing by, dropping it off. Or if it's just, you know, they're you're walking in and they're overwhelmed, they're doing some work. And, and instead of just standing there looking around, you can put your hands on and help them feel like, oh, we're in this together. What what can I help with? You know, and, and actually start helping. Don't just ask and you're standing around and your body language is saying, please don't tell me anything. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's one of the ways to keep staff and to get that referral from your current staff. And so you keep that um, that gate open for more opportunities to find good. Yeah, I'm a full believer in that there's a difference between uh, a boss and a leader, right? A boss is someone who's standing on the sidelines, shaking their finger at you going, you better get this done. Whereas a leader is in the trenches with you and they want to be a part of the solution rather than part of the problem. And I think that's really important for uh, for all organizations to really kind of start to transition their frame of thinking into. And it's difficult, right? I totally get that. It's different than what a lot of management styles are used to, but it's something that's needed in order for um, for the success of a lot of these facilities to continue. I agree 100%. And with after COVID and how things have changed, um, leaders and managers, um, we really have a look into how our staff are being treated. Because at the end of the day, I have heard horror stories to where people have a staff today and tomorrow they don't have anybody to work. So it's like, what are you going to do? We need them more than they need us, I feel. And if all it takes is for us to be a little bit more understanding, I know it's not easy. I know, you know, it's sometimes it gets tight, but you're like, okay, the bigger picture here, please. Yeah, definitely. That golden rule is such a cardinal thing, right? Like, I mean, they've drilled it into us since we were in kindergarten, treat others the way you want to be treated, you know, and sometimes I feel like we've just, we've stepped so far outside that little, that, that golden rule, right? And if we could just step back a little bit closer, I think a lot of people would be a lot happier. I agree. <laughs> so we're going to jump more into maybe some advice that you can give to people that are looking for facilities for their family members. So when families are considering assisted living facilities for their loved ones, what specific things should they be looking for in terms of services, amenities, or other factors that can contribute to the quality of life for their loved one? So I go to two different steps. If your loved one is more active and they just need someone, one big help that usually our active seniors need is someone to help them manage their medication. Then you'd be focused on more um, amenities, activities, all assisted living do the same things. We're all licensed under the same umbrella. It's the same um, surveyor that comes in and makes sure we're all doing 
what we're supposed to do regardless of our size. But there are two big differences in assisted living. Uh, so if your loved one needs um, just a little bit of help, they don't really need help. So you're probably looking at the bigger setting. Um, you're probably focused on more uh, different activities because they don't really need help. But if your loved one needs a more one-on-one -on -one care, uh, then you're looking at the smaller settings that still need, that still have activity, but they are more focused also on more one-on-one -on -one care. Um, and if so, if you're looking for a place for your loved one, consider how they act on a daily basis in the level of care that they need. Um, and if they need help with three or more activities of daily living, um, and if they can't really handle themselves all that much, a smaller setting assistive living is your best route. Because oftentimes family members end up at a bigger assisted living and um, two things will happen when your loved one declines a little bit more and they need a bit more help. Uh, they may ask you to have a, another sitter you know, another CNA home health aide to sit with your loved one. And that brings an additional charge. For these residents as well, their social interactions are still very important. And it can mean the difference between, you know, their mental health declining or, you know, staying up where it needs to be to keep them healthy, keep them going. Um, can you provide any examples, maybe from your own facilities where, you know, the living facility has actually provided a, a positive impact for its residents, where maybe you've had feedback where, you know, the the grumpy person that that came in all of a sudden is a social butterfly or, you know, and what, what your facility was able to do in order to have these interactions change so positively with, with the residents? So we have one right now. She came from a larger setting. Um, and when she came, she was extremely aggressive and she, she has symptoms of dementia and Alzheimer's, stuff like that with um, the elderly. And she was extremely aggressive. She would slam her hands on the table and she would yell and scream. <laughs> she would take her clothes off and want to walk around naked. But don't we all sometimes <laughs> <laughs> just get angry? We're done. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but when I noticed sometimes when she would have these reactions, she would pause and watch for our reactions to see what we do. And we started telling her how our feelings were so hurt when she does those things. And it got to the point where right now she's a sweetheart, but then she began to apologize. And then she would tell other staff, oh, I did something to Carlene and I hurt her feelings and I feel bad about it. And you know, and, and now she's like a social butterfly, a sweetheart, and you Aww. just couldn't believe it. Sometimes all they need is someone to just be there and, and to let them act up a little bit because, you know, they go through a lot. You yes. know, they're, um, they're displaying so many different dis displays of symptoms of getting older and it's like, I can only imagine how they feel inside to just, you know, not being able to control themselves in such ways. Um, but yeah, she's like the perfect example for us. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, like, I get grumpy too being moved around. Like, you hear all these stories, right, where it's like they have to be moved from, you know, one facility to another depending on their needs and stuff. And like, that would be frustrating for me. It's frustrating enough for me when I have to move in general. I hate moving. So like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine, you know, like going through that and then having to like, you know, 
re-meet, you know, this caregiver and that caregiver and, and having that change all the time. Like, of course, like I would be substantially grumpy as well. I think, <laughs> you know, I think we, we all would be because it's really hard, um, for the change to meet new people for, um, new, new staff, everything is new. Um, but for her, it was a positive change because, because of the size of where she was, they weren't able to cater to what her needs were. And because we're a smaller setting and it's more for one-on-one family size type thing. And I think that's ultimately, that's what she needed. Um, and now she's just enjoying herself. That's amazing to hear. It speaks volumes about the types of facilities that you that you run. And I think that's amazing. Um, I know that, you know, you ha- sometimes you have family members that can be particularly stubborn about making this transition. You know, like, I'm going to stay in my home forever, right? And you're just like, I'm sorry, but you can't. And making that transition with them can be so hard, not only for you know, our elderly family member that needs the care, but also for the families themselves. How do you help the loved one and the families through that transition? What would be your advice to families that are maybe dealing with something like that? I'll say take the first step as soon as possible. Once you know you have done your homework, um, you have found a good place, you speak with the people on shift working, you speak with management, your sixth senses tells you this is the right place. Um, I'll say make the first step as soon as possible. Reasons why is because the stress level to the family members is almost unthinkable because I think oftentimes family members are so focused on caring for their loved ones. They don't realize the effect of the stress that they're getting. And now their health is sometimes declining. I come in contact with family members that have explained to me that the stress of finding a good place and caring for mom has given them issues. One of them even said that she had to go to the hospital. So yeah, it's really, it's really important for family members to not feel so guilty because life does happen. And even though you made promises to take care of your loved ones, sometimes we just can't live up to those promises and finding the right assisted living for your loved one is help for you and for them because god forbid you walk away and now fall happens and you don't know the severity of the fall that may come you know i have heard stories of people falling and breaking their hip i have assessed you know a patient from home that was coming to my facility I mean, falls and and all kinds of bruises. And and when it's that time to leave, I encourage family members. And if you're a resident listening to this, someone who needs an assisted living, you're scared. It's okay. Everything is scary in the beginning. But if you found a good assisted living, um, I can't promise, but I will tell you, your livelihood will change for the better. Because that's what assisted living is there. Um, As scary as it may sound, oftentimes we hear positive stories from family members. I know personally for me, I have um, the positive stories that family members have given to me and to my staff is overwhelming. Some have said that they weren't able to vacation and now they're able to take trips to enjoy themselves knowing that 
you know, their loved one is at a good place that's going to care. Yeah, that's really, that's really the thing. Um, when you're taking care of loved ones that, you know, need that extra care, it's, it's hard to, you know, you feel like you can't, you feel like you can't go on vacation or you can't do things or you can't work, you know, full time or, or even like things like that. Right. Especially if, you know, you're extra lucky and you've got little ones running around at home at the same time, or, you know, or maybe a spouse that needs extra care too. So it's really, it, it is a hard transition to make, but it is a conversation that needs to be, that needs to be had with the family. Because at the end of the day, I think there isn't a family member out there that would want to know that or to feel that they were any kind of a burden or any kind of a you know harshness in their loved ones lives so um it's definitely definitely great advice for for families and for people so thank you so we are coming to the end of our episode today is there anything else that you would like to share with us any other advice you'd like to give anything else that you would like to talk about today so speaking about advice for family members have the hard conversations early um when it comes to that time where you need assisted living and before a deep dementia sets in make sure you have the hard conversation make sure you know who's going to be in charge of what, uh, because there are families that have multiple siblings and you don't want sibling rivalries to uh, come about in it. And it's not a friendly conversation, but if you have those conversations with your loved one very early on, because you're gonna need those legal documents for assisted living, you have to have a plan on how things are gonna be paid for. Have the hard conversations early and it's gonna save you a lot of stress. Thank you very much. So that brings us to the end of another inspiring episode of the Caring Support Podcast. I want to extend my deepest gratitude to our incredible guest, Carlene, for sharing her invaluable insights and experiences with us today. To all of our amazing listeners, if you have any questions, comments, or stories that you would like to share with us, please reach out through our website or through any of our social media channels. We love hearing from you and engaging in these meaningful conversations. And maybe we can have you come and talk with Carlene right here on the podcast sometime. I think that would be super cool. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the Caring Support Podcast. Because if you don't subscribe, you'll miss the episode and that's never fun. So thank you again for joining us today. And until next time, don't forget to do some self-care. Show the healthcare workers in your life a little love and keep having those important conversations. Take care, everyone.